0: She is an English and theater teacher and a professional development coach who got tired of traditional sit and get PD and now creates the type of PD she always wanted with the Educator's Lab. With 10 years of experience teaching English and Theater, Wackengard specializes in interactive strategies for the classroom, meaningful tech integration, and building relationships with students. She is a certified ISTE educator and experienced international presenter and empower teachers. She wrote the Startup Teacher Playbook to help teachers rekindle their spark for teaching and make it meaningful. Welcome to the podcast, Darcy. Thanks for having me. Well, we'll start off with a question I ask everybody. Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out.
1: I've been in the trenches. I just met a new person yesterday, a new teacher who teaches with people I used to teach with. And he said, I've heard good things about you. And I went, oh, that's kind of surprising. I was a bit of a troublemaker. And he said, (laughs) I like to think of being that I'm a disruptor. And I was like, I like that word more. (laughs) So I got in the trenches a bit because I would disrupt things. And I've learned this weird reality as an adult that people are scared of the question why. And I don't, I still don't really understand it, but I am the type of person who wants to understand why we're doing something. And so I ask questions. And as I was teaching high school English with a team of 15 English teachers, I started to ask some questions why why do we only have four regular english classes and advanced english and the curriculum in the senior english is the exact same curriculum that existed in the 80s it is designed for kids who are going to college like why are we like why are we why are we teaching these things why can't we tap into the individual strengths of the teachers who are in this department? Why can't we provide choices that would align more with students' strengths, student interests, and student future goals? Mm -hmm. And I was a little surprised and disheartened by the almost violent reaction that those questions caused in my colleagues. and I understand that it's from a place of when you feel passionately about something and someone asks why, it can feel like a personal attack. Yeah. Um, so I was very surprised. at uh, We were at a meeting, a, another colleague and I organized. We, we were trying to get it so that the other English electives that were already approved for um, extracurricular credit, for elective credit, we were trying to get those approved for graduation credit.
0: And I'm talking
1: about speeches like college comp, um, dual credit speech, debate. I mean, Mm -hmm. like these are really real world journalism, newspaper production, like all of these classes. And we went through, he and I went, we documented how all of these classes would meet all the common core standards. Like we could make it align with, we could do the same formative and summative assessment as the senior English team. And we brought it to a meeting with administration and a fellow English colleague at the meeting, in front of administrators, said, You're only doing this because you're selfish and you want to teach what you want to teach. Oh my. And in a meeting with the assistant superintendent of the district, two pr- building principals, and multiple other English teachers, no one called her out on that. Yeah. Um, I had already shared that I was concerned about the fact that every single day, there were kids coming to my English class who read at a fifth grade level. And I was making them read Beowulf. Like every single day, a child was sitting in my class and I made him feel stupid. Not because I wanted to. I was trying to differentiate. I was trying to do things. But the reality is I was not serving those kids. And I wanted to serve those kids. And she was right. I wanted the option of using some theater classes to do that. That's my passion. But um, so I had to look at this colleague and say, I'm a public school teacher. I'm a lot of things, but to say that I'm trying to change this because of my needs is really hurtful. And it was shortly after that, that I decided to give up that fight. I was like, I can't be this pariah in the department. I can't do this like it's not but every single day I these three young men in particular who were so polite to me they tried every day and I'm telling you every day I made those boys those young men feel stupid not intentionally but because of what we were doing and I tried to make it but I was required to teach certain things because of the English what the English department had to do and so I gave it up And then the following fall, we were at back to school PD and we were in the mandatory suicide prevention workshop, like 25, 30 minute workshop. And I happened to be sitting right behind the colleague that he and I had been trying to get this moving. And they were talking about how every child needs a place to belong at school. Like we know that that is vital, that everyone has to connect and that everyone has to feel a sense of community And I wrote him a note and I said, if we don't keep fighting for those kids who need something different, who else is going to fight for them? And I passed him. I mean, I was like a teenager and not a teenager in the back of the meeting, but I wrote that on a piece of paper and I handed it to Jeremy and he wrote back and he said, you're right, we keep fighting. And so we did and we kept fighting and we were, (laughs) we slowly got a few more people on board. I'm sorry to say that not much changed at the time. Now, six years later, I'm happy to report that some changes, basically the exact changes that he and I were fighting for are starting to happen. And so that's really exciting. Um, But he and I both left school to do other things in part because of that fight. Um, So on the one hand, it feels like I, I lost that battle. And that's kind of true. But I feel like I won the war that 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 experience, I pulled myself out of the trench and just decided if if me fighting for these students isn't going to go anywhere here and I'm going to be constrained here, I'm going to take this fight somewhere else. And I'm going to work with other teachers who are ready to fight this fight of supporting every learner in whatever capacity we can support them.
0: No, I totally get the necessity of needing to stand up for your students and like being, you know, faced with challenges with teachers who want to, you know, do the same thing every year. Like you said, with the curriculum, hasn't changed in 30 years. And, um, you know, luckily you said they're starting to make changes, but like, you know, you're one of those disruptors in education and not everybody wants that disruption. And it's like, we need more disruptors in education. So let's talk about the Educators Lab. So you co-founded that uh, with Michelle. If you can talk a little bit about what the Educators Lab does and what your passion is when you're helping teachers in the Educators Lab.
1: Sure, Michelle and I, I'm a change consultant for education. So based on that trench story, I want to spark, empower, enact change. And we in the Educators Lab believe, as the name implies, that teachers are in the best position to be sparking change in education. They're the people who can see what is and is not working for students. So the Educators Lab is based on this idea that educators need a creative space to be able to test ideas, try new things, and implement their solutions to improve teaching and learning. And we work with organizations, with districts, by hosting our own workshops, by um, conducting book studies, Whatever capacity we can help facilitate and consult in, we work to create the environment where teachers are empowered and respected enough to do that, that they're given the space, the time, and then some structure that we've developed through trying this in a lot of different iterations with a lot of different teachers. We've figured out a few things that work a little bit better than others. So we want it to be this lab where teachers create yeah. solutions and design solutions. And vital to that, we firmly believe that part of that process of education innovation is that teachers should be getting continuing education renewal credit for that work. And yeah. so if we can build it into professional development and we if we can build it into continuing education, we're helping teachers do the work that they want to and kind of have to do anyway, but we're elevating it so that it gets a little bit more time, a little bit more attention and honoring the educators as the experts that they are.
0: And I appreciate you talking to me a little bit about the fact that it's uh, reconnecting self-care uh, to teachers purpose and reigniting their fuel and also uh, having more laughter in the classroom because Just like I wrote in my book, out of the trenches, stories of resilient educators. I think you also are um, realizing a lot of these teachers are burnt out because they've lost that passion for teaching because a lot of these challenges, like you mentioned in your true story, they're faced with. So um, I think that's really uh, on the forefront these days. Correct with uh, just helping teachers find their purpose.
1: Yeah, and just to reconnect to that, and I think some of that is hard. There's the day to day stuff that teachers have to do. Um, I think one of the gifts that great administrators can do is to alleviate as many of the extras um, from teachers plates. A simple example of a great administrator that I had at the first school I taught at, they were really concerned about the number of tardies that they were having, the number of kids in the hallway. And the administration just said, this isn't the teacher's problem. We're gonna deal with it at the office. So, yeah. when the bell rings, close your door. Mm-hmm. And for security reasons, the doors were locked. And so, the office, the first week, the office was writing like hundreds of tardy passes to students. After two weeks, though, the number of tardies dropped significantly. And teachers, what was vital to this is it added nothing on the teachers. There was no responsibility for what's an excused tardy, what's not an excused tardy, tracking tardies. You know, all we had to do was close the door and then let kids in as they were tardy. Um, but just there are some things that there's so much junk that gets in the yeah. way of a teacher's purpose that for those administrators who are listening to this and thinking of how do you help your teachers get out of the trenches? What is something you can take off their plate or change yeah. in a different way so that some little thing, like I said, writing a tart. Keeping track of tardies is not that big of a deal, but everyone was way more on board with the plan when we were told, and you don't have to do anything.
0: Yeah, and in terms of things, it could be more of a school-wide rather than each teacher or each grade-level team fighting that fight individually, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to tardies, when it comes to uh, uh, hall sweeps, uh, attendance policies, yeah, I've been active on a lot of those types of teams as well, trying to get more of a big, um, school-wide uh, structure in, in different schools I've worked in. So, yeah, like you said, there's a lot that uh, admin can do. There's a lot that the you know district can do in terms of getting or continuing to add credit, as you said, for some of this work. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your blogging. Um, you, as well as I do, uh, blog for Teach Better Team, but you also mentioned that you do blogs for Edutopia. And what are some of those blogs on?
1: Oh, I've- this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I've done a couple on tech integration, um, specifically one tech tool that I used to flip how to do speeches. Um, okay. So it was just one of those like very practical. So I've done a couple based on being a teacher in the classroom. So um, interactive discussion strategies that I have found to work, um, tech tools that I found to help make um, presentation week. I got sick of it being a week of speeches and like it was eight minutes, five to eight minutes of activity, one kid at a time and a zone out week for everyone else the rest of the week. That didn't sit well with me. So I used tech tool to flip that a little bit and to elevate our conversations about speech. I wrote one about the gifts that administration can bring, and I was just reflecting. It was one of those that just I was reflecting on some of the amazing administrators that I've had and wrote about the gifts that administrators can can bring into their teacher. And that was a couple of years ago. Now, I would argue everything that I wrote about would help the connect teacher connect to their purpose to their joy, to what they're doing, their gifts that you can give your educators. So that's out there. Um, Most recently I wrote about making more effective book studies. I've been involved as a participant and as a author guest in a lot of different book studies and have gotten to witness varying levels of of how much teachers actually interact, um, varying levels of implementation just varying depths of of book studies. And so I put together some recommendations for what I think can help elevate a basic book study into a richer, more dynamic, and ultimately more um, fruitful process for educators, and therefore for students. I mean, ultimately everything I write about is, uh, yes, I'm really connected about teacher joy and purpose, but the trickle down, and I know, I mean, I know that's a horrible (laughs) thing to talk about, but, the, the trickle down jo- from joy is that students have a more joyful learning experience and are more engaged. Um, I was just talking to someone this morning, we were talking about how if you talk to a group of English teachers, they'll say, oh, well, this book is the only book that kids connect with. And another teacher will say, no, 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 no. This book is the only book that they connect with. The other books, like they don't care about. <laughs> and when you hammer down into it, it's because those books are those individual teachers' favorite books. They love those books and therefore they love teaching those books and therefore their students love those books. So like we create this self-fulfilling conversation that when we love what we do and model joy and passion and excitement and what we're doing, it doesn't guarantee buy-in but it certainly increases the likelihood of it
0: yeah, yeah you said that yeah. um a lot of what you talk about we you talk about purposeful problem solving um you know finding your passion mm-hmm. as a teacher it connects to what you write in the startup teacher playbook so um what can a teacher maybe who's looking for uh, some new strategies for their classroom as we wrap up the 22-23 school year and I think towards next year what can uh, some teachers find uh, in your book um that can help them maybe plan a little differently maybe work with uh, their team a little differently and not be so confined to that structure.
1: I think one thing is taking a little bit of time to reflect. I know we yeah. talk about that all the time, and time is really, really hard, but we will cultivate what we choose to see. And so, yeah. as you are going, if there's a joyful moment, start a post it stack of joy, right? And start capturing what brought joy and just start choosing to see the joy in things. So one, that's gonna help your mental health, but there's a purpose in this. As you go through, you can go back and reflect on those post-its and start identifying what are some common trends? What are the yeah. things that really spark and connect for you as a teacher and for your students? And also kind of reflect where are areas in the day, in the year that are light on joy, that things aren't connected, that things aren't as great as you would like them to be. And identify a couple, I hate to use the word problem, but Michelle and I talk in the book and both believe this firmly, a problem is just a possibility waiting to happen, right? So identify some of those problem areas, those challenges, and use that to guide your next professional learning experience, to do a self-inquiry project, to organize your own book club, If you identify something that's not working, and this is where my article on purpose-driven PD comes in, identify something that's not working and then seek out PD that would help alleviate that. Something as simple as a podcast that you could listen to to give you ideas on that challenge. Seek out some articles from Teach Better, from Edutopia, from wherever gather a little bit of information and then design something new. Um, I have a whole online course called the Personalized PD Challenge. And everything is available for free at the Educators Lab. It walks you through the design process of taking a problem, identifying something that's not working through designing a solution to it. And embedded in there is a little bit of self-care, a little bit of gratitude, a little bit of reflection, But the goal is that from start to finish, you identify a problem, challenge, you turn that into a possibility and you end with a finished product ready for you to take into the classroom. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I have approved for professional development, continuing education credit through some of the universities here in North Dakota. So there is the option for someone to do that design process, get a university credit for that and so you have your credit that you need for your teaching certificate for lane changes whatever but you also have this finished product that came about just through some prompts through a little bit of online coaching from me um the credit obviously is extra you have to pay for the university thing but the videos the steps the resources are all available on youtube and on educators lab for free for someone to walk through if they don't care about the credit and they just want that process in the I'll same way.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll make sure to link that in the, in the show notes. So people can access that.
1: Fantastic. In the same way, some of those turns of phrase, I think can be helpful for working with the team, right? Of what isn't sparking joy, (laughs) what's not working. And even if it's something little, it's amazing how a small irritation, I mean, but this is all part of so many folks' tales and things, right? That the small irritation ends up causing a big problem. And if we can remove this tiny thorn, it actually can release something. So a friend of mine always says, first we vent and then we reinvent right? So it's good to get some of those little things out. That's part of the human condition, get them out. But then we have to choose to focus, choose to focus on the yeah, possibility yeah. there and choose to focus on the opportunity instead of the problem and find something that works. Um, you know, it can be as simple as, Hey, like next week, why don't we f- flip classrooms? And I'm going to teach math all week and you teach science all week. And those lessons, we're going to swap classroom or I know that's an old thing, but whatever it is to try to eliminate that challenge, um, even if it feels fluffy, because ultimately if we're burned out, if we don't have the joy, if we don't have the passion and the purpose, we're not going to be mentally prepared to tackle the big things.
0: No, I totally get that. And like taking a course where you can reflex, on some of those things, and you know, walking through, um, you know, the lesson process, the design process, uh, if it's something your school's starting to look at, or something you want to learn more about, uh, definitely, especially getting those university credits, help a lot. So, uh, thanks for sharing that. I also wanted to talk about the ISTE a Certified Educator um, piece. Um, I've had a few guests on that have either Google or ISTE uh, Certified Educator status. So tell me like what you did to get that. And also you are presenting at SD this summer. So Mm -hmm. talk about what you're presenting on.
1: Sure, the process was pretty intense. Actually, I'm glad that I was working in a professional development capacity at the time. Um, But I was sad that I wasn't in the classroom because part of the process is developing a portfolio to show that you understand all the ISTE standards, and you have to have these artifacts and show all these things. So I designed quite a few things for the English classroom that I haven't gotten to use <laughs> because I yeah, designed them yeah. as part of the certification. So I've been sharing them with colleagues. So if you happen to be an English teacher and you're interested in a multimedia, self-exploratory type course, I have an entire syllabus like outlined and like a whole (laughs) bunch of resources that I've developed and I think would be awesome um but I haven't gotten to do but it's sitting in my ISTE portfolio um as with anything that forces you to reflect it helped me identify a what technology meant to me I will say as an English theater person I was a little bit of an odd duck in the tech group because things would come up and people would talk about ideas there was an in-person training portion and then some online um, visits, and I was the odd duck that would say things like, yeah, but you could also do that with Play-Doh. And yeah, True. but you could like hang up a sheet and like kids could do, and I'm like as a high school teacher at these things, yes. So I'm a weirdo who argues that crayons are technology and Play-Doh <laughs> and sheets and props. They're all our bodies, are is technology and kids should be creating content with all of these tools. And when we can add technology into that, it should be strategic and should be to enhance the teaching experience and the learning experience, right? So what technology are you using so that you can hear your students more? Um, so how are you gathering information and feedback from students? How are you ensuring that they understand content? I think technology can do a lot for us to hear all of our students because relying on them talking in class is just, it's not enough. It's just not enough. So how do we hear everyone? And I think technology is great at that. And then also how do we amplify what they're working on to be able to curate it for an authentic audience? So designing something for me is one thing, designing something that potentially the entire community is going to read, see, look at, experience is a very different um, process for a a child, a teenager, uh, whoever, and Technology, I think, gives us a very unique way to connect to other people that we just haven't had before. And part of that is the authentic audience, as well as discovering diverse perspectives. So there's so much that technology can do, but don't forget about the crayons. <laughs> I think that's part of the <laughs> ISTE experience. And then I'm actually presenting not on technology at ISTE, mm-hmm. I'm presenting on all right, you spent a lot of money to come to ISTE. How are you going to ensure that some of the ideas that you're generate, that you're getting, you're getting all of this inspiration, how are you going to help ensure that some of this inspiration actually is implemented in your classroom? So we'll take a little bit of time to think about some of those joys and frustrations to capture some of the existent learning and to try to set a course for ISTI discovery that as I'm trying to, because there's so much at ISTE, you can't do everything. No. You can't, there is so much content that um, I always talk about museum headaches. I don't know if I'm the only person who gets this. I can go to museums for several hours, but eventually yeah. I get an art headache where I'm like, I just mm-hmm. can't process anything anymore. And that's ISTE for me. Like you've got to pace yourself. But if you have a mission in mind, like, all right, this is what sparks joy. This is where joy is missing. And now I'm on a mission to find tech tools, strategies, ideas that can help me turn this problem into a possibility in my classroom. We're gonna kind of set that course. And then for those who are ready to start designing an implementation plan. And if they're not quite ready to design to at least provide the structure so that as you're flying home, as you're sitting in the hotel room with a few minutes of downtime, you can capture some of that inspiration. Maybe not all of it, um, but I can't tell you the number of times that I've been at a conference and been like, oh my God, I have the best idea. I'll never forget this idea. And then the next day, no recollection of what that idea is other than it was great. (laughs) I can't remember all what I was thinking of so I, I hate that feeling and want people to leave ISTE to some extent with their money's worth of like get your money's worth out of ISTI. have a plan have a purpose and then be able to implement this so that our kids get the best and what are the yeah. dates of ISTE
0: 23
1: oh it's in June but around in the 20s I have to look at a calendar here um I believe it's the week of would it be the week of the twenty-fifth, twenty-sixth, twenty-seventh? Okay, I'll okay.
0: I believe. Yeah, I'll insert the link to the conference in the show notes. Yeah, Great. I figured it was maybe July, but that's yeah, a little bit earlier. So people have time, they're off, you know, they can think about their um planning for next year and you know, they can digest what they're learning at a big conference like that because they're still off. <laughs> Exactly right. So you have most of
1: most people have the month of July to be yeah. off. But yeah, ISTE is the 25th that week of June 25th. Um, and okay. I'm presenting on the 26th. Okay. And okay. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that and to hopefully help more people get them to maximize their time at ISTE and really help more students with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about your book, The Startup Teacher Playbook, some of your experience um, uh, teaching English and uh, your trench story and also other writing that you've done. Out of everything we talked about on the podcast today, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? That it's okay to ditch what isn't joyful. Mm -hmm. And
1: some of the things that aren't joyful are, you know, no fun. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you have to do them. Right. And yeah. I remember doing some of those forms and things that we had to fill out with seniors. And I would be in front of the classroom and say, all right, I'm going to be honest. This is boring. This is a little yeah. stupid. But guess what? We got to do it. <laughs> it's like our taxes. Yeah. We got to do them. So we're going to suck it up. We're going to do it fast. We're going to over with. And then we're going to celebrate by doing something cool. So I was pretty transparent with seniors. Of Sometimes I would say to them, I honestly don't even know what this is for. I asked for it. We're going to do it because we're team players and we're going to cross this off our to-do list and get it over with. But how can you find a little bit of joy in that? Um, This is a silly example, but I hosted Christmas at my house this year and my immediate family, my brothers, sisters, nieces, and nephews, there's 30 of us. And so I was cleaning the kitchen floor, swept it. I have three-year-old triplets and I got them to help me clean the floor. So cleaning the floor, not a particularly joyful task. However, I, I swept it. I then sprayed shaving cream all over it. They got to draw in the shaving cream. I then gave them water bottles. They got to spray water all over the shaving cream, which they loved because they love water bottles. Yeah. And then yeah. we pretended to ice skate okay. in the kitchen okay. on very slippery. We have a tile kitchen. So in there was slipping and sliding and giggling and, All of them were covered. They just covered with shaving cream. And as they ice skated and sprayed water, I came behind them and cleaned up the water. And I tell you, my kitchen floor has never been cleaner. And it took a bit longer than it otherwise would have. Um, But it was the most joyful experience cleaning that I've ever had. And I get that that's a little bit of a stupid comparison, but I'm also genuine about it how can you find yeah. those connections of joy um and maybe it's having a strategy to avoid the grumpy teacher in the morning like right the person who starts your day on a negative note maybe part of it sure. is having a strategy okay. how to sidestep that person. maybe it's a way to spark joy and you know have your students help you be um, joy spies in your school and have them identify joy and spread joy and joy and just cultivate a little bit of gratitude, a little bit of joy, because whatever trench you're in, that is going to be a vital mental tool for helping you get to the other side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so important. To remember. Like you said, you had a task in front of you, but you made it fun and a memorable moment for your kids as well. Well, where can people connect with you and find you on?
1: I'm at theeducatorslab.com. And so you can find on the website. I'm at dBachyguard on Twitter. I'm darbakkegaard at gmail.com. Feel free to email me um, if I can answer any questions, be of any service. I love connecting and I am, I'm a teaching dork. And so if you're ever in, needing to bounce ideas, talk about teaching and think of ways to turn problems into possibilities so that you can reconnect to your passion and you can build more joy and purpose. Reach out.
0: Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Out of the Trenches podcast. It was a pleasure talking with you today. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon, You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at OutOfTrenchesPC.